We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live postgame show. And yes, the title is accurate. Your Lakers were just mauled by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Not what we wanted to see tonight. We even got the fake comeback once again. Lakers pulled to within four in the fourth quarter, no less. And yet still lost by 20. Rough one, certainly for the Lakers. We'll break down what went on. We'll also talk a little bit about what was going on with the Wolves, I mean, taking shots at the Lakers right out there on the floor, basically clowning them. Talk about that, too. Joining me is Sean Davis. Sean, we made it through that game. <laughs> that, was a, that was a tough watch. I'll admit, we've seen a lot of them this year, but that was a tough watch. Yeah, that was a tough watch for sure. And a big part of it was because of the fake comeback. And they got out to four. And then when they got out to four... The Timberwolves so very quickly said, "Nope, we're going to uh, we're going to bump this lead back up." And then you look at it, maybe a minute later, and all of a sudden it's a 16 point lead. So a rough game for sure. So in this game, we saw we saw the Lakers clearly frustrated. We saw moments where LeBron, in particular, didn't come down the floor. Didn't, didn't come down on the other end. He just stayed. I didn't think they got the rebound. He stayed, didn't come down on offense. Uh, players didn't get back on defense. Um, this team kind of collapsed in on themselves through certain moments. They get these little bursts of energy, but then it feels like there's not a lot of belief that they can actually do it, that they can actually get the W. Um, they've won twice in the last few weeks, and both of them required LeBron to go for more than 50. Uh, which, I mean, those are incredible performances by LeBron, but it sure, it sure feels like the morale of this team, it's it's low. It's very, very low right now based on what we're seeing on the floor, despite what they're saying about everybody still pushing hard for wins. I don't like to say players, individuals, like quit or give up or whatever. I don't like to say that. I feel like that you're talking negatively about a person's character when you say that. But you can't watch the Lakers play right now and tell me that's not what it looks like. Mm-hmm. It looks like, like you just said, Trevor, that they don't 
believe that they can win games. And they go around on the floor, um, again, outside of little spurts of energy. And outside of those, it's not a lot of effort. Um, just demoralizing things. And I think a part of it is to, like, just how the flow of the game goes. And, like, it's to a point where we all have, like, a game script at this point um, where Lakers start out okay. Then the uh, opposing team, they go on a big run. Lakers down 15 to 20. Lakers come back, and then they get down to anywhere from, like, 10 to 7. Uh, Lakers miss a three to bring it into one or two possessions, and then the other team goes down, hits a big-time three or whatever, and then that's pretty much the game at that point. Mm. Um, but, yeah, man, like, you can't tell me you watch the Lakers and say that they don't look like they've given up. They've given up. And I hate to say that, but that's what it looks like, honestly. Yeah, we definitely saw that that typical narrative play out, right? The Lakers, they were down big. They battled back. The other team makes a run and puts it right back to where it was and usually happens in the fourth quarter that they just yep. don't get enough stops consistently. And then we see this time and time again, they right when they're there, they're on the cusp of, of overtaking the opponent. They shoot themselves in the foot on a few possessions. They'll you know miss a couple of wide open shots. The other team comes down, hits threes on those ensuing possessions. And that's the game. And it just feels like we've seen this played out. So many times. Uh, go to James. Don't waste your time covering the remaining games. No, we're going to be here all the way through. Look, we've been through tough times. We've been through tough times before, and we made it through. We're still standing. It's not like we just say, oh, this isn't fun to watch. We're, we're just going away. No, we're still going to be here for everybody. We're, we're, we're a bit stronger than that. Just a little bit. <laughs> um, and also, as you mentioned, the, the Lakers got down to four in the early beginnings of the fourth quarter. Cat makes a tough shot, and then LeBron gets called for a movie screen, I think it was. And then they go down, they hit a three. When Gabriel misses a three, mm-hmm. and then after Avery Bradley layup or whatever, they go hit another three. LeBron hits a three, they come right back or whatever. And that's it's a 10 point game now. And then Cat gets a few free throws in a row, and all of a sudden you look up at 14. So that that was kind of the way this game went. And the movie screen was a big call Yep. because um, DJ Augustine had played really well up to that point. And he hit the three, too. So just shooting themselves in the foot at the worst possible times. I just feel like that just encompasses the Lakers season so far. Donna Daniel Espinoza said, Trevor, where do you rank this season? Is this one of the worst seasons in franchise history? What do you think? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Um, this is. This is, but there's a difference between the rebuilding teams and this team in terms of the disappointment factor and in terms of how poorly this team has represented the fan base, if, if we're being honest, right? I mean, this is, this is a team that really hasn't shown the heart or the fight or the hustle or anything that you would expect out of a professional team, right? Whether it's the Lakers or, or otherwise, um, it feels like they've kind of checked out to some degree. Mm-hmm. And and that's, I think, what, what gets fans extra frustrated and makes it that much more of a joyless season. Um, you go back and you look at the rebuilding. I mean, people were talking about this on Twitter today. Uh, it, like the, the Lonzo, Brandon Ingram teams, they played harder than this team's playing right now. And part of that is human nature. Part of that is, man, we just keep getting our teeth kicked in. How are we supposed to continue playing hard when, gosh, I've been doing this for 19 years or 17 years, however, all these guys are veterans. 
that's a factor here. It's a little different when you're a rookie and it's your first season and you're going out here trying to prove yourself every single night to continue playing hard this late in the season. So I'm not saying it's the same thing. I'm not saying there's not a reason why these guys would have trouble focusing and locking in on a game. But from the fan perspective, yes, I think this this is it's crossed the line. I believe this is the worst. I think this is the most disliked Lakers team that we've seen. Somebody asked on the our live broadcast that we did of the game. Somebody asked, is this team or like who, who wins basically this team or the 2012-13 team? And I said a resounding that 2012 team. And also, well, first off, Kobe wasn't like Kobe was willing that team. And he wasn't going to take losing for an answer, basically. And that's not a diss of LeBron or whatever, but that team didn't like have spurts for the most part. Like that team was just not as good as we thought they would be. They had a lot of expectations, but it wasn't to the point where you're like, oh man, these guys aren't sure. Or you have to question mm-hmm. whether or not they're trying. And that's what this team is. And then you take into account also the fact that, again, like Kobe, especially in that second half of the season, was not like he was wheeling that team to the playoffs. Um, yeah, I, I, I said we're resounding. That 2012 team would have been, would beat this year's team. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right, I'm going to get into some of these super chats. Um, see why not. Said Lakers should target Amir Coffey and Robert Covington from the Clippers. Clippers well, might not that. want to keep them. I, I think the Clippers will. I mean, look, Robert Covington's been good. They're not going to care too much about paying if it comes to the luxury tax, all that sort of stuff. Again, that's Steve Ballmer finds that kind of money in his couch cushions. So yeah, I think that uh, I think they're going to want to keep those guys. But if they're available, sure. I mean, I. I I've said for a while that Robert Covington would be a nice fit with this team, but Covington's a good fit with a lot of teams. He's been a, a good fit with a lot of teams with his skill set. Not like he's a top, he's not pushing you to another level or something, but he's a guy that mm-hmm. you can plug and play and, and do things that are useful on the floor for a lot of teams. Whether it's his length defensively or his ability to kind of help space the floor a little bit and knock down perimeter jumpers when needed. Uh, he definitely would be a, a positive contract for the Lakers next season, if uh, if possible. I know he's a free agent. I've got a comment here that says the Lakers have no identity. I, I feel like Not the, the fake comeback might kind of be their identity. <laughs> like I don't, we, they they don't have an ideal identity. Like they don't have a this is how we win games identity. We see them late in games if it's close we see them struggle to figure out exactly what they're supposed to do in order to generate shots. They're not sure what they're good at and they don't know what to fall back on. Um, so in that sense, that's true. But the, I mean, you are what you repeatedly do, right? This team repeatedly makes comeback runs and then gives them right back. I mean, this is, that's been probably the most consistent thing about this season has been their inconsistency in sustaining runs. Yeah, and you look at all the best teams, not only in the West, but in the NBA in general. They have some sort of identity and what they rest their hats on. Golden State, they're going to be really, they're going to be tough defensively, especially when healthy. But offensively, we're going to move the ball around. We're going to get quality shots. Uh, Phoenix, we're going to be like super fundamental. We're going to be tough defensively. We're going to have a lot of wings. They're going to be halves before you, and we're going to shoot the three ball well. Dallas, we're going to rest our hats on defense, and Luca being awesome. Boston, rest our hats on defense. Mm-hmm. Tatum being awesome. Like, the Lakers outside of, and I guess, yeah, I guess the fake comeback, Trevor, is the uh, one identity of the Lakers. But, um, yeah, man, like, all the best teams in the league, they have a set identity in how they win games. And the Lakers, it seems like they only have a set identity on how they want to lose games this season. So, it's brutal. 
James Bell, LeBron told you all a month ago, when a team shows you who they are, you believe them. That's the first time. Then you won't be led to disappointment. They had no intention of making the playoffs. Uh, who the the Lakers didn't have any intention. I think they came into the season fully intending to make the playoffs. They were pegged as a contender, one of the teams that should come out of the Western Conference. They failed spectacularly in doing that. Um, if you want to say at the trade deadline, not making moves is what proved that they didn't want to make the playoffs. I think at the trade deadline, they saw that there wasn't a move that was going to fix what's going on. But since then, it's gotten worse. I think when the when a move wasn't made at the trade deadline. I think that was the front office realizing there's there is no fixing this. There's nothing. There's no mm -hmm. magic wand. There's no move that's going to just magically make everything better. Um, at least not to the degree that they need to get to where they want to go. But that also sent the message to the team that yeah, you guys are you're kind of done. And we've seen that affect the team too. Um, I mean, the the losing is piled up and everything, but this team looks like a team that doesn't believe they can they can win games. That's that's what we've seen. And I'm going to continue to echo what you were echoing around the deadline. No trade is better than a bad trade. And a lot of teams are looking to please the Lakers at the deadline. And, I mean, I guess it's not the player's business to be in the front office and having to make these kind of decisions. But, like, I think the front office did the right thing, not doing anything rather than making some desperation move, which is what the rest of the NBA wanted the Lakers to do, make some desperation move um, to offload some players, maybe like a Russell Westbrook or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I think the front office are right. There wasn't a clear pathway to fix this roster this season, and that's why I was like, eh, with a lot of the trades that people were throwing, I'm like, this team, the only trades I'm doing for the most part are trades that somehow catapult you back into – title contention or legit Western conference contention with teams like Golden State, Phoenix, and Memphis. And there wasn't a trade out there that did that. So I think the front office was in the right there. Mm -hmm. Carlos Ramirez said Vogel ruined momentum by taking the starters out when they were on a run. He needs to go. Also, everybody needs to man up and guard their own man. I mean, I, yes, there have been moments. There have been moments where the Lakers and Frank Vogel, his rotations haven't made a lot of sense. Um, making subs when you're on a run. And frankly, this this team can't do that. If, if you've got things oh. going, you've got to ride that as long as you can because you never know when you're going to get that again, right? Frank Vogel just sticks with his plan and makes subs anyways. Not every single time. We see him make some adjustments, but he's more in a situation where if something's working, you don't you can't touch it because you know, like the slightest move. The Lakers are Jenga. The, the Lakers are Jenga. Like the yeah, slightest move, if you if you tinker with one thing, it all could fall apart. So if you're Frank Vogel, if you're starting to see things work, you just get hands off, just leave it, keep it as it is, don't mess with anything until it starts to go the other way. Unfortunately, he's continued to make subs, so that's that is an issue. But you're saying he's the problem. He's not. He's not going to be back. He's not going to be back. There's no. There's no way the Lakers bring Frank Vogel back next year not after after what's going on this year and again we've said is he part of the solution no is he the entire problem no he hasn't i don't feel like frank vogel has made the team better given the the situation that they've been in he hasn't taken the pieces that they've got and improved upon them but he also got kind of a raw deal with the, the team that he was given so there's a lot to factor in here uh, i don't think it's all on frank vogel but again i don't i don't think that he's excelled this season either 
All I'm going to add to that is Frank had a really weird timeout in the second half. Lakers are on the run, um, and he just calls a really, like, out-of-place timeout. And, like, no, Frank, you have all the momentum. This lineup is working. Why are we calling timeout? And the only way, and the only reason why I thought, okay, maybe it could be a decent timeout is because you're trying to give LeBron a bit of a breather. LeBron came back in. So I'm like, okay, Frank, like, this is a really weird timeout. So, yeah, about the momentum thing, you can't really just take the momentum away from a team, especially when mm-hmm. with the, with this Lakers team. You gotta cherish all those momentum plays that you have because you never know when those are gonna come back up for the Lakers. Uh, somebody said, "So why not get rid of him now?" Then Curtis Smith from Facebook. So get rid of him now. I, I agree with you. I said the same thing. I, I, I've been saying the same thing. Look, if if you know if you're at a point right now, and I feel like you should, you should at this point. If you know Frank Vogel is not coming back next year, and you see how bad things are right now, what's it gonna hurt to say Phil Handy? Go ahead. Do your thing. Find out. Find out. what You're not benefiting by keeping Frank Vogel around right now. doesn't do anything for you. Part ways. Let Phil Handy finish out the season. Find out what, what Phil Handy does as a head coach. Because you don't know. Does that mean he's the guy you're going to hire? Not necessarily, but it doesn't hurt to find out. Um, just so you've got a little bit more information on hand. Now, maybe Phil Handy would say, you know, I'm loyal to Vogel or whatever. Maybe he'd say, no, I don't, I don't know. Right behind the scenes, we don't know what that's going to look like. But I think if there's an opportunity to find out what Phil Handy can do as a coach, that's at least something you're gaining something from this. Right now, you're gaining nothing. Right now, we're we're seeing a team that's in run-out-the-clock mode, and that doesn't benefit you at all. And I'm not, not talking about in-game. I'm talking about on the season. I, I think that's where a lot of fans are, too. Like, can we just skip to July yep. 1st, please? But, um yeah, I think it's a little too late to go to Phil Handy now. I think if you're going to do that, what game was that? Was it the Pacers game? It was a game in like early January or whatever, like the fire Vogel rumors were big. I think you're a little late on that. If you get a fire Vogel, you should have done it back in January, maybe even maybe even like really early February, uh, closer to the deadline. But yeah, I think I think it's way too late now. It's only 13 games left or whatever. There's not that much mm-hmm. you can salvage of this season. Maybe we're wrong. I mean, I, I hope to be wrong, and there is something to be salvaged of this season, but the way it's looking, that's doubtful. Tony, with a super chat, said, disrespectful, disgusting, and shameful. LeBron, the team, the front office deserves the boot. There is no backbone or pride to wear that jersey. Not playing. Tony, I don't I don't disagree. Um, I think this is a team, this is part of why people can't wait for July, is they can't wait for this team to go away. I mean, that's That's just being real. There are fans out there right now that can't wait to see this team ripped apart because this team has been so universally disliked. Um, and that's understandable given what we've seen right now. And let's face it, the players don't look like they enjoy being on this team at the moment. They're getting their butts kicked every single night. They don't look like they're having fun. Losing isn't fun. It's not working. It's not working. So yes, a lot of people are wanting this to, wanting everybody to kind of get the boot, move on, rebuild. See, this is the one point, right? This is the one point where last season, the Lakers went too far in tearing down a team that was good. And we talked about, did they go too far? Did they Are they disregarding chemistry? Is this too much? We, we talked about that. This is the one point, though, where you have not just a reason, you have an obligation 
to burn this to the ground, right? I mean, not you're bringing back hardly any of this team. Last season, you knew you had a team that could be successful. You know this doesn't work. And it it's hard to rebuild a team from the ground up and get chemistry, but you know if you stick with this, you're sunk. You you can't stick with this team. So I'm expecting, just as I was I was not expecting major moves last offseason when we got them, I think major moves are a must this season. We're going to see a lot of new faces next year. Well, uh, good thing Rob Palenka is really good at tearing down teams. <laughs> good thing we know he's good at that. But, um, yeah, there's probably, like, at least, at the most, six-ish guys. I'm like, okay, you can bring them back. Uh, Braun, AD, Monk, if you can. Uh, HBK, Stanley Johnson, that's five. I wouldn't mind winning Gabriel coming back. And I wouldn't mind THT coming back, but I think he's, got, he, I think he's going to get traded. Um so, yeah, at the most, you're probably getting six, maybe seven of this team back next season. Yeah. And also know to Trevor, outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis, those guys that those five-ish guys that we were saying that I just said could come back, those are all young guys. <laughs> None of those guys are sure. in their 30s yet. Those are all guys that will hustle. Even, even if you don't think Malik Monk is a good defender, he still, for the most part, plays with effort for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, HBK, Stanley. Wenyan, maybe THT. So, yeah, I, I don't think very much of this team is coming back next year, especially the older guys. Wowie one says, this is one of the only times I hear frustration from you, Trevor. We can deal with not being the best yeah. team in the league, uh, but competing. But you are upset. Yeah, I mean, look, you guys, I tend to be, you guys know my, my background. I spent years and years teaching junior high. I'm pretty thick-skinned. I'm pretty even-keeled. Right. I, I, I can roll with things and that's that's how I'm wired. But that doesn't mean that this doesn't mean something. I mean, I've told a lot of you, I, my earliest memories are of watching the Lakers. So, yeah, absolutely. It, it bothers me when I see a team that's not competing, when I see a team that's not trying, um, that's not putting in the effort. And again, I don't mean every single player on the team because we do have guys who do. There are guys who, who compete. But in general, as a team, it feels like they are not putting forth the requisite effort in order to compete. And part of that is the rotations are right. Part of that is they know that they don't have a shot of winning. Part of that is it's just, it's hard to put forth effort when you're getting beat every single night and you're not confident that what you're going to do is even going to work. If you go flying across the floor to close out, is that really going to matter and do anything for you? There's a human element to this as well, but from the fan perspective, the fan in me absolutely wants to see this team at the very least you, you give it all. You go out on your shield if you have to. Go down swinging. That's That would at least feel a little bit better than seeing a team that very much looks like they're just, they want to go home. And that's what we're seeing too often. We're seeing spurts. We're seeing spurts in games where they go, oh, we might, maybe we can do this. And then it's like, as soon as there's a run the other way, they go, oh, no, 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 wait. Nope, 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 never mind. Never we mind. can't. All right. Hey, you guys got it. See you later. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That, I think, has been the most frustrating part for me, and I know that's been frustrating for a lot of Lakers fans. Uh, junior high teaching has really taught Trevor and got him prepared for uh, this Lakers <laughs> season. Uh. It really is funny. Like, I'm not going to go. I could talk forever about this, but it really is funny how much has overlapped from my previous career to, to what I'm really? doing now. It, huh. There really is. There's a lot that has um, that has overlapped, and I would have never expected it, but yeah, that is the case. Yeah, you saying that, I, I would have expected that. That's interesting. Uh Nobody greater podcast said, uh, Hey guys, is it me or is Frank Vogel one of the worst offensive coaches ever? Mellow, Braun, and Russ Monk are the only players who can score 10 plus points. AD can't stay healthy. This is ridiculous now. Yeah, I mean, look, the the offense looks so bad that again, I had Wolves reporters, Wolves media, like yeah. messaging and, and saying, What are the Lakers doing? Like, what what is this? I'm like, no, this is this is what we've been dealing with this season. They don't look like there's any offensive cohesiveness, that's for sure. The defense, at one point, they tried to throw in like a three-quarter court press that didn't work at all, turned into an easy dunk for, oh my for gosh, Carl Anthony yeah, Towns. Was... It's weirdness. And part of it is we're seeing things change every single game. It's Frank Vogel's just, hey, let's try this. Maybe this will work. It's not really working. It's not really working. They're completely discombobulated. But again, a lot of it comes back to the effort, but there's so much... Everything that, that you can imagine has gone wrong for this Lakers team, and that's what you're seeing on the floor right now. There's a lot to unpack there. I'll start off by saying I this is kind of why I sympathize just a little bit with Frank Vogel. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I want to say he's this, he's that, the roster is not optimal for his coaching style, one. And two, like he, as a coach, and I can kind of relate a little bit to what he's going through, like he's literally just trying to throw every single thing at the whiteboard and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, now we can start talking about the execution a little bit. Like that three-quarter court press was awful. Yeah. Now, part of that maybe be on Frank, but part of it also is on the players. Um, I remember you mentioned the rap, uh, not the Raptors, the Timberwolves reporters mm-hmm. we on the game broadcast we did. I just laughed. Like, yeah, this is what we've had to watch for 68, 69 games so far this mm-hmm. season. Um whether it's the stagnation offensively, um, and I don't think Frank Vogel's the worst, one of the worst offensive coaches ever. Because I mean, I'm sure there's been worse. Sure. There's been a lot of coaches, guys. Um, and I also think, to a certain element, a lot of the offensive limitations slightly come from having LeBron on the team. I think because LeBron, the ball's gonna be in his hands so much mm-hmm. that you can't really have an offense the offensive system you can have is so limited. Like if you really think back on it, guys, Miami was probably the last time a team had a true offense surrounding LeBron. 
Now, in Cleveland with Ty Lue, they ran some stuff. They actually had a kind of fallback offense, but there wasn't a true offense in Cleveland except let's get let's get LeBron to some high pick and roll actions, maybe Kyrie a little mm-hmm. bit too when he was there. Um, so I think a part of it is the fact that you have LeBron on your team, so you can't really do too, too much and be too extravagant with uh, your offense. Um, I think there was something else that he mentioned too, but... That's kind of my biggest takeaways. So, man, it, it, it's tough. And I, I sympathize with all you guys uh, watching the Lakers so far this season. <laughs> uh, Dame Blaze said, gotta put this on Genie. That no legit reason to keep Vogel any longer. I mean, ultimately, everything rolls up to Genie. She's the ultimate decision maker, but she empowers Rob Palenka to make decisions in the front office to make decisions and, and all of that. So, yeah, and, and to a higher degree, yes, this all does roll up to Genie. We'll, we'll see what they do this offseason, ultimately. Um, Sean Tate, Braun wanted DeMar and Genie wouldn't give three years. So that that was going around yesterday. I believe there was a Twitter Spaces, Chris Haynes, and he talked about that, that DeMar wanted to go to the Lakers, one in the third year. I, I go back to and people are saying, well, why wouldn't the Lakers just give him a third year? He's great. Go back to last offseason. And think about what the conversations were there. If you look right now and you say, you look at this season, you say, oh my gosh, this team would be so good with DeMar DeRozan if they had him instead of Russ. The conversation last summer was about how similar the the drawbacks to DeMar DeRozan and Russell Westbrook were in terms of fit. How they both, okay, I shouldn't say similar, but how they both had legitimate fit issues in terms of neither one being a good three-point shooter, neither one being a guy who's known really as a great defender. Now, DeMar DeRozan has had a fantastic season. Russell Westbrook has not. Okay, so there's there were reasons to go with DeMar, but there were also reasons to hesitate, and particularly when you add in the, the cap situation, where you would be hard capping yourself by doing a sign-and-trade for DeMar DeRozan. Now, again, I'm not saying the Lakers made the right decision, but I'm saying looking at it now, it seems like it's a very clear choice to go with Russ at the time there were some reasons to not be totally sold on DeMar DeRozan being a fit, just like there were some reasons why Russell Westbrook wouldn't potentially be a fit as well. Yeah, and also, let's realize as well, DeMar DeRozan is probably not having the season he's having in Chicago if he was in L.A. And I think we have to count that in as well. So I think a lot of people are you know, saying that Oh, yeah, obviously we want DeMar. You're looking at the current version of DeMar DeRozan, the one we're seeing in Chicago, the one that's played like an MVP candidate for a large majority of the season. Mm-hmm. That's the DeMar DeRozan that everybody's saying, oh, man, the Lakers didn't get that guy. DeMar DeRozan is a really good player, but he's not having that caliber season with the Lakers, with this current, with this with this Lakers roster, swap out maybe Russell Westbrook or whatever. Um, so I, I think that's what you got recency bias a little bit there. Um, but obviously, I think you still would probably, even if he's not playing at that level, you're still probably saying, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take Russ. I mean, no crap. We'll take DeMar. <laughs> I think part of it, too, is the Lakers were looking ahead to flexibility. They've got this built in where they've got 2023 yeah. as, as this year that they can completely shift everything. And they've got tons of cap space. And that would be, you know, going for DeMar would have meant sacrificing that if you give him that third year. And so I think that was a factor. They they very much value future flexibility. That's been a big thing for this team. It's been a big thing for Rob, right or wrong, by the way. I'm not saying that's the, the correct stance to take, but they heavily value future flexibility. When they pick a year to have cap space, they do a lot to try to make sure they do, which is going to be really interesting this summer 
because their options pretty much to get rid of Russell Westbrook, if you're going to do it via trade, you're either going to give up picks or, and maybe it's both, or you're going to take on long con- contracts that are longer than this one in order to get a team some cap relief in the future for doing a trade for Russell Westbrook. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the Lakers pick this this summer in terms of getting rid of Russell Westbrook. Again, the, the pain is not over from this. They're going to now have to pay to undo what they did this last offseason, which is it's going to hurt. Question is, what do they choose? Do they choose waving and stretching Russ? Do they choose trading Russ and using a pick? Do they choose trading Russ and bringing back long-term contracts that are going to give them less flexibility in the future? Maybe it's a combination of picks and less future flexibility. We'll see what they ultimately do. Maybe maybe they just keep him on the roster next year and just send him home or, or try it again. We'll see. I, I would be very shocked, though. I think that's the least likely scenario, them bringing him back next year. Uh, nobody greater podcast ad plays at least 41 games to injury prone or ad never plays at least 41 games to injury prone yeah i mean look this is anthony davis the injury stuff has definitely it's it's taken its toll it's taken a toll on the team it's taken a toll on ad i would love to see him back and healthy and thriving we know he can be an absolutely incredible player when he's healthy i do wonder though and this is what we need to talk about sean is there a point? Because this has gotten bad. This has gotten pretty bad here. Is there a point where the Lakers just say, stay home, AD? Or are they are they bringing him back no matter? If he's good to go with five games left, are they bringing him back even if they continue losing games and they're sitting in that 10 spot? Do I want him to come back? No. I think you don't want to risk it. Um, will the Lakers bring him back? Probably. I, and I really think they would um, because I, I think they're going to try to go down swinging, go down with some heart, some fight in quotes, because I mean, the Lakers version of heart and some fight this season hasn't been uh, what you would typically describe that as. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think Anthony Davis will come back at some point this season, whether it is in a playing tournament, uh, whether it is a potential first round series, or if it's with four games left or whatever the situation may be. I think Anthony Davis does come back. Would I rather see him back this year? No, I would rather say, AD, let's make sure next season, because I think next season and then the season after, Lakers go, okay, chips all in next year. This is maybe your last season, LeBron, is the Laker. Mm-hmm. Let's go get one more. And let's reshape this roster for the fourth straight season. Well, really, since every year since LeBron's been a Laker, the roster has significantly changed each season. So let's reshape the roster for another season. Um, let's go chips all in next year. Let's get a new head coach. Let's change everything. And then the following year, 2023, our AD, presumably, unless LeBron resigns, AD, this is your team. Besides THT, if he's still on the roster, um, we're building around you. So I'm not, personally, me personally, I'm not bringing Anthony Davis back because I'm thinking a little bit more long-term because this season, respectfully, is a wash. Mm. Um, I love to be wrong on that, but the season's a wash. And you need AD for next season, 100,000% healthy or as close to that as possible. So I'm not risking any aggravations in a play-in tournament and God forbid you lose that play-in tournament. So you have 80 come back for practically nothing. So I'm personally sitting ADL. I think the Lakers are going to bring him back because they're still going to convince themselves Same. they have a puncher's chance if they get LeBron and AD together. But Same. Uh, Austin Davison said, what if we do a buyout with Russ? Isn't that different than waving at all? Yeah. So if you do a buyout, let's say you're the Lakers and 
Russ obviously picks up his 47 million player option, which that's, that's going to happen. Um, and Russ says, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. And that's what we've heard. It's mutual. Russ doesn't, Russ wants to go just like the Lakers want him to go. Um, and you say, Russ, okay, what do you, if you were a free agent right now, what do you think you would get on the market? If Russ says, well, somebody would give me the mid-level exception. I, I don't know if this is true. I'm just using this for math. Um, somebody says, I, I think we can get 10 million. Okay. So then you say, all right, Russ, here's what we're going to do then. Cause we can't find a trade for you. We don't want to just waive you though. We we'd rather, rather than waive you, that doesn't, there's not a lot of reason for us to do that. We don't, there's not a lot of incentive. We'd rather just pay you for one year to sit at home and then we'll move forward. But that's wasting a year, year, your career. How about you work with us? You give back a little bit. You think you can get 10 million on the market. Give back 10 million. We'll buy you out for 37 million. Okay, and then the Lakers would stretch that number. So the reason why waiving is is different than buying out. Waiving would be you take that 47 million and that's it. That that money's on your books and then you have a decision to make. You either leave that 47 million on your books for this season or you can stretch it. You can stretch a contract out for double the length of the contract plus 1. So a one-year deal would be stretched over 3. So that would equate to almost 16 million per year in salary. That would just be dead sitting on the Lakers books for the next three seasons. If you do a buyout first and then wave him and stretch him, you're stretching 37 million and not 47 million. So now you're talking about roughly 13 million that you have sitting on the books. So it's an extra 3 million that you would get as a team. That's, that's the, the difference between those two options. Obviously the Lakers would prefer to do a buyout and then stretch his salary over the other option. But if Russ says, you know what? There's no interest in me. I'm taking a veteran minimum somewhere. I'm not giving back any money. That puts the Lakers in a tough spot. Absolutely. Um, Eddie Sanchez, a team with Marcelo Huertas, Nick Young, LeBron, Ryan Kelly, and Robert Sacre would have a better record than this team. <laughs> Playing seemed worth it at one point this season, but after the last few games, hell no. That's the thing, right? I mean, it's you have to wonder. Like, Let's say they get to the play-in. Are we going to see the same thing? Is this team going to say, eh, we don't really have it and not go all out in the plan even? That and that scares me. To be honest, that that would be yeah. that would be especially embarrassing if the Lakers got to the plan and went, "No thanks. We're going to we're nah. going to go." I I'd love to say I, I again, I don't want to, you know, just be negative or whatever, but that's the way the season's gone. So I love to say oh, I know the Lakers they're going to come out. They're going to come out gritty. They're going to come out angry for the first time all season long, finally in the in the playing game, mm-hmm. and um, and try to win and have a puncher shot, which is reportedly what they think. Um, but that's also what they're supposed to say, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, I love to have that mindset, but I can't, especially at the last few games, last few weeks, I can't say the Lakers are going to come in for a playing game. And at this point, they might even have to play on the road twice. Um, that's not the realm of possibility. I can't say that this Lakers squad is going to go on there and say, okay, we got to win two to make it to the playoffs. Let's do this. Let's, let's, let's get gritty. Let's uh, play tough defensively. Let's have some off-ball movement. I can't trust this Lakers team to, Lakers team to have that mentality. Esham, 976, why would you want Stanley Johnson back? He's literally reverted back oh, to, what, uh, to what Detroit was and cut him. Uh, his defense, 0.2% offense, let him go. Easy. What? Easy answer. 
Uh, well, first of all, I, I said this in the past. You don't want Staley Johnson starting on a championship caliber team. I don't think he's that kind of player. But you want guys like your 10th, 11th, maybe even 12th man that are good defenders and just are going to sell out defensively. They're going to give their all. They're going to play with effort and whatnot. I get it. Lakers Nation are struck, are frustrated with his shooting and his lack, well, lack thereof offensively and his inability to be a real player offensively, which is kind of why he's kind of been taken out of the rotation slowly but surely. But there's a reason why I think they got him for that second year next season. Stanley Johnson, you still want him back as a guy that can play with energy and effort and still be a body defensively. You need those long wings, man. That's something we've been talking about all season long. Yeah, I mean, if you're bringing him back, you're not bringing him back saying, here's a guy who should get major minutes. No, I mean, and, and that's yeah. right. he's he's shown regression over the last few weeks. He has not looked nearly as good. I feel like his energy level has gone down as well, um, which is not what you want to see. But his con- you're not going to find somebody cheaper that's a wing that can do the things that, that he can do. Now, again, if you bring him back, you're, if you're expecting major minutes, you're probably expecting too much. But for your guy that's going to be the 12th guy on your bench or something like that, that's fine. That's fine. That's that's the kind of guy that you that you could use as like the twelfth man there. Um, <laughs> Dylan said, "I'm sorry you guys are forced to watch this team. I've saved my <laughs> mental health by missing these last couple of losses. Props to you guys." <laughs> it's easier when we get to broadcast it with everybody. Sure. It makes it so much easier. Uh, so yeah, thank you guys. I guess. James Bell, LeBron James plays for championships opportunities, not playoff spots. So that why that's why he's mailing it in instead of worrying about a sixth grader in five years, <laughs> the picks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, look, LeBron obviously he knows what's going on, and so that's what that's the the human side of this, right? Where from the fan perspective, would I feel better if I saw this team competing, giving everything every single night? Yes, but I also understand in their shoes, it's hard to do that. When you keep losing, when you're not confident that what you're doing is going to work, that's difficult too. There's the human side of it as well. Now you could say, well, you should just be professional and you should play hard no matter what. Again, it's it's easier said than done. So it's it's frustrating right now. It's frustrating watching this team play, and I'm sure the players are frustrated too. And that obviously includes LeBron. You can tell. I mean, you can tell from his body language he's frustrated. And deservedly so. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mook Morris, how many more games do we win until the playoffs? So how many more wins are there in the rest of the season? Let me let me go through the schedule. Let me go through the schedule. <sighs> let me go through the schedule. This and this might be this, this might be painful. This might, I don't know why I'm doing this to us, but here. I don't go know. through the schedule here. Here's the rest of the schedule. At Toronto. Is that a win? No. At Washington. Is that a win? Yes. Okay. I think. Okay, so there's one. At Cleveland. I think LeBron gets super amped up for that game, so yeah. Okay. At Washington, his second night of a back-to-back no. on the road, by the way. You mean Philly? Oh, oh yeah. The, nah. So that hurts a little bit, especially if LeBron doesn't yeah. play. Uh, versus Philly. 
No. At New Orleans. Is that really like a three-day break in between that? Sheesh. Uh, yeah, that is. No. No. They don't win at New Orleans. And that's the big one. That's the, the big that's one. That's the big one. At Dallas. Uh, we all we play Dallas really, really weird. Still no. At Utah. These are nationally televised yeah. games, by the way. Yeah. They, they win at Utah? They beat Utah. Okay. Versus New Orleans. Second night of a back-to-back. Where are we at? Three? Four? We're at, I think, two right now. We're at, we're at Washington. Uh, we're at Washington and Utah. We're at two. Uh, that's, that's Cleveland, too. Cleveland as oh, well. Oh, you've got them beating Cleveland. Oh, okay. All right. So yeah, there's three. Yeah. So New Orleans. Uh, they got to get one against New Orleans. Okay. Second so out of back-to-back, one. but you got them getting one. Okay. So there's four. Denver. No. Phoenix. No. Golden State. No. <laughs> OKC. I, I want to say yeah, but, you know... <laughs> Who knows nowadays? That's second night of a back-to-back, second-to-last game of the season. Who knows how focused they'll be there. Uh, also, and then, the chat's upset at me for saying Utah. Like, guys, Utah is like probably the one they've team. They've played well against maybe Utah. Out, they played really well against Utah. Uh, so I feel semi-confident about that game. Last game of the season at Denver. Is Denver resting their starters? That's, that's the question, right? And they might be. And they might be. Um, so re- we're probably talking about Best case, we're looking at five wins. Best yeah. case. Right? Worst case, two. <laughs> right? I mean, and that's what they've... I mean, over the last 11 games, they've they've won twice. Over the last 11. So the final stretch, I mean... Wow. This can either get like really, really ugly, like worse than it's already been. And you look at the Lakers at the end of the season and you're like, man, they only have 32 wins or like, you know, oh man, this is going to be brutal. We, but we're good. Go we ahead. could see them go win six games in the last 24. Like that would not be out of the realm of possibility. So you go, you go. I'm, I'm, what do you say? How many wins do you think we get? That's, out of that's rough. One? That's rough. I, I'm going to say they win. They they win total out of the, out of the, the final 24 games. I'm going to say they win seven, which means I've got them winning five more. For the five, like OKC, I'm assuming. I mean, yeah, OKC. I'm going to say they beat OKC. I'm going to say they get Denver with Denver resting their guys. Okay. I'm going to say they get one of the ones against New Orleans. I'll say they get okay. Washington. That's only four. That's only four. I would love to say they win like, both the games against New Orleans, but yeah. Yeah. That's like you're not being Phoenix. You're not no. being Golden State. If Denver is playing everybody, you're not being Denver. Uh, Dallas is kind of an iffy one, actually, only because like Dallas is another team we strangely play really, really well, mm-hmm. especially in Dallas. Um, so that one's kind of a weird one, but yeah, and I mean, if anything, if that Toronto game the other night was any precursor, there's no shot would be in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> it's too big. <sighs> All right, um, let's do the master lock. Let's do the master lock of the night because there's some stuff we got to talk about there. So, chat, let me know what you're master locking from tonight. Putting in our good friend Chris, the Masterpiece Masters, finishing hold. The master lock, if you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, 
what gets master locked tonight? Sean, what would you put in the master lock in this game? Would Patrick Beverly be a cop out? No. <laughs> Patrick Beverly. Uh, if I had to do a second one, it's probably, I don't know, man, those two LeBron plays where he just like waited back were really, really weird. He had the one, he was about to get subbed out. I get it, but he just literally just lobs the ball up in the air. Mm-hmm. And thank God, I think it was Malik Monk grabs it. Otherwise, that's a dunk going the other way. Um, so I don't know. Those two plays don't really sit well with me, but uh, we're, we're going to go Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly. I got somebody with a super chat said, reminds me of the Nick Young and Jordan Hill, Hill games. A lot of people are saying master lock the team. Uh, the entire season. Master lock the season. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go Patrick Beverly. I'm going to go with the Wolves. The Wolves were extremely demonstrative tonight. The Wolves were definitely playing it up to their crowd, enjoying the Lakers I mean, misery. And, but here's the thing. There's, there's celebrating. And then there's doing what the wolves did where Carl Anthony towns is just clowning the Lakers. Patrick Beverly is calling guys trash mm-hmm. and all the, all this kind of stuff. They, I get it though. I get it. They haven't won much in recent years. I would do it too. Like if, if I'm finally winning a little bit, you get just a, t- a small taste of winning just a little bit makes you do crazy things. And that's what the Timberwolves did tonight. I, I, not surprised. Yeah, I mean, they they were they made a meal out of that though. They were really really pushing it, and that's a part of that's that's Patrick Beverly. That's why a lot of people don't like him. Um, but yeah, it that was was pretty pretty overboard yeah, as far as far as the far. Wolves go. Um, and that was to the point where you're almost though disappointed the Lakers didn't do anything about it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's and I'm not yeah. I'm not one that would condone fighting or anything like that. But and I'm not even saying fighting, but like, but I mean, you can't remember back in the day, like Ricky Davis shooting on his own basket to try to get the triple double, and and he gets fouled hard after that. Like, there used to be that kind of a code. Like, if you're if you're clowning somebody, you you're gonna get, you're gonna feel the physical punishment. And we didn't, we didn't really see that from this Lakers team. They just kind of went, meh, all right. Or even like some talk back, or even like. Like, I don't, if you're playing pickup, right, and Trevor, I don't know if you've experienced this. I'm assuming some of the chat has experienced this. Um, if you're playing pickup, right, and it's just this one dude that's just nag you the whole game. He's talking his trash or whatever. I don't know about you guys, but for me personally, when that happens, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I, I got to beat this dude even more. Like, I got to make him, like, no, I'm not going to do anything. I'm, I might not talk back. I might not. I'll, I'll talk back. But I might not, like, do anything physical or whatever. But I'm like, I'm going to beat you even more now. And, like, going back to the the Lakers kind of gave up or, or they're checked out at least. Um, it goes back to that argument. Like, do they really care about this season mm-hmm. anymore? And I hate to say that because I feel like that's kind of damaging characters or whatever, but that's what it looks like. Like they just don't care. Evans juice from Facebook said, come on, Trev, don't master lock them for that. You should master lock the Lakers for not doing nothing about it. Maybe, maybe that is the bigger point <laughs> to, to, to arrive maybe. out there is that the Lakers didn't really do anything to stop it either. Yeah. Like, but that's been all season. Every time we've had a moment where you thought, okay, that, that this team's going to be fired up. Now they should be locked in after that. They got to be angry. A lot of times they just come back with indifference. Um, but that's, that's been the season. Mook Morris said, real yeah. question. Do we see any chance of Kendrick and Anthony Davis making a return before the playoffs? So again, last we've heard, and this was weeks ago, was the Lakers were hoping to get Kendrick Nunn back around the end of the month of March. We've asked Frank Vogel recently. He's given no update. He's had nothing. Zero. Um, so we'll see. 
We'll see on Kendrick Nunn. Again, I'm expecting that he's out for the season. If he happens to come back, it'll be a pleasant surprise. I'm not holding my breath. Anthony Davis, yes, the Lakers said he was doing shooting this week. He's supposed to be getting more imaging. In fact, I believe today is exactly four weeks from the injury, so he should be getting imaging done anytime now. Um, and then how that turns out, that's going to determine a lot here. So we'll be waiting to see what that imaging comes back with on Anthony Davis. And I guess I, I'm assuming you're starting to wrap up here a little bit. Uh, no, no Lakers tomorrow. Get this game out of your brain. Yes. Go enjoy some uh, March Madness tomorrow. I know I am. Uh, get this game out of your brain. Go watch some good basketball tomorrow. YP Hustle said Malik Monk has lost his confidence in play. Very frustrating. Russell's playing like he's got one foot out the door and one foot in. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys right now that are looking like that. Like it's kind of they're running out the clock on the season, which is certainly unfortunate. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Appreciate everybody joining us again. This was a another difficult game. It's been a grind of a season. It's been a difficult one. But hey, if you're still with, here with us right now, you're a real one. You've st- you're sticking it out through yes. thick and thin. Thanks for being here. Make sure that you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Ring that notification bell as well. <sighs> On to the next one, everybody. Till then, see ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.